Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Sea Blue Smarts. Um, today I'm joined by Steve Wynn-Mosley, CMO at VizRT Group. Um, Steve, would you like to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your, your role and maybe your career to date? Brilliant. Hi, Ola. Thanks for inviting me on. It's a, it's a great pleasure. Um, so, as you said, I'm Stephen Mosley. I'm a CMO of something called VizRT Group. Um, many people won't have heard of uh, VizRT. Um, so, just a quick bit on that. If you remember an event just before Christmas, it was called the US election. Um, and if you watched any TV, any news program there, it's very likely that you would have seen one of our products. Um, we do the graphics for live production TV broadcasts. So um, approximately 4 billion people on the planet experience one of our system's outputs during the, the election run through. So we do the tickers, we do virtual sets, extended reality. We even create virtual fans for uh, football games. So anything where we want to help a storyteller tell a story better, that's where you'll find VizRT Group. And there are three elements to that group. NDI, which is a um, IP transport mechanism to us about moving video from one place to another in a really efficient way. New tech, which is probably most relevant for this audience. So new tech is designed to make video storytelling easy and accessible for everyone. So rather than needing a TV studio and some professional uh, technical directors, what we do at new tech is we try and put all of that in a box and then give it to people with a great story to tell from C-suite to houses of worship to local sports teams, all the way up to tier two and tier three broadcasters. And then, as I said, VizRT is really our, our main customers are people like the BBC, Fox News, CNN, um, around the world, uh, large broadcasters who want to do complex live video production. So that's the organization that I work for. Um, I'm let you into a secret i'm not really a marketeer i think of myself as a retailer that's how i started i, I, I um, ran propositions for um, the co-op back in the day as a graduate trainee that's how i started but what that told me quite quickly was data in this case it was sales data and a customer experience and technology mean that you can drive businesses forward and my career really has been about taking that that intersection between data, the customer experience, uh, and having a very clear view of what you want to achieve with your business, and using that to basically plot a path through the chaos that, that is generally trying to deal with humans, our customers, and trying to second guess what they do. So, although you you view yourself as a as a retailer, you are in fact. Chief Marketing Officer at, at VizRT and I, we have been through quite a um, tumultuous year, um, not least with the US elections and, and all that entailed, but, but you know, generally in terms of what's happened um, and the way COVID has disrupted our way of working. Um, I'm really keen to get your thoughts as CMO as to you know, what's changed for you or have you changed how you operate? What, what are the things that have challenged you in the last year? Sure. So um, it's uh, that, that old saying where kind of innovation is fueled by conflict. So if you look at all the great world wars, we've seen humans take great strides forward in medicine and other other things, possibly less positive. 
the, the pandemic clearly has done that within the marketing sphere. And I say I'm a retailer. Um, retail just is really about telling a story of value to a customer. And as a CMO, I'm just telling bigger stories more of the time. It's, it's about imparting content and moving somebody from point A to point B, and hopefully point B is where you want them to be, and that's where you'll start to try and extract some value. So when COVID hit, we used to tell stories of by getting on planes and rocking up at trade shows, um, which was costly, and some would say slightly ineffective in that we were meeting people we already knew, and occasionally we would meet some new people. But it, that was the main bulk, traditional trade show and, and uh, thought leadership type events. Clearly, that didn't happen. So those big, chunky um, uh, lumps of leads that you would normally create in a trade show environment just, just went away. So we had to pivot to digital. Now, luckily, this RT group is pretty good at doing video. So we were able to create three um, TV stations, if you will, NDI TV, NewTek TV, and of course, Vizar TV, which enabled us to continue to reach our market, our audience, tell them about the innovations that we were bringing to market, but engage with them and still have a platform that actually now we control, rather than it being a third party platform, it was our own platform. So we were able to pivot entirely to digital. And as a CMO, um, I was able to sit down with, with my CFO and, and talk about how I was going to reinvest my, my T&E, my travel and entertainment budget, into content. And that was probably the single biggest um, uh, unleasher of, of our lead generation last year was we could now focus more on crafting the stories and, and building the propositions around the stories and really delivering those to the point where they would make value. And of course, I'm talking about segmentation. So we moved from a trade show where we kind of thought that because you'd arrive at a trade show, you were already self-segmenting to being able to take a step back and build vehicles that targeted particular um, customer profiles. So, Everyone talks about account-based marketing. It's just telling stories that are more relevant to the people you want to talk to. So, so that was a major, I think, change for us last year. And and getting that, um, I guess, that go-ahead from from your CFO to invest in content and and segmentation and better targeting. Have you seen that then translate? you know, I guess into lead volumes, but more importantly, into lead quality and, and conversion rates? That's a, a great question. So um, um, having come from the, the digital side of things first, um, I have kind of had it beaten into me that uh, unless you can measure it, don't do it, which uh, as a passionate brand person, that can sometimes be difficult. But um, the conversation was really about, I um, started with measurability. If we do this, to this group of people will we get that and can we demonstrate that quite quickly in the old world we'd spend a lot of time driving people to a trade show um, or driving them to one of our own events they would turn up and then at some time in the future they might do something that we saw value from i take a demonstration have a sales meeting go ahead and extend a product set or, or whatever it might be by starting that journey and having that journey more uh, within the digital domain, we could track more of the points. So we could intercede more often and we could course correct more often. 
So we were able pretty quickly to demonstrate kind of um, uh, participation and contribution to the pipeline. Uh, and we spent a lot of time uh, with the sales team uh, really working on that, that, that um, transition between what I think is a marketing qualified lead and what my sales directors think is a sales accepted lead. And we had really interesting concepts and conversations about how we would work together to improve that. And it culminates in us spending more time creating and working with an inside sales nurture pathway and just seeing that as an extension of the overall marketing mix. So really trying to blur the divide between marketing, you know, lead generation acquisition uh, and sales execution, because ultimately to the customer, it's the same journey. Yeah, you've touched on a great point there. And is that something that you've definitely noticed changing that that great um, cooperation and working together with, with sales teams? Have, have you seen that as a as a real step forward? Absolutely. And one of, the, one of the really simple things is we used to, because, you know, sellers might be based in New York or Bangkok or whatever, and my, my marketing team could be in Norway or London or somewhere else. Now we meet, as we're doing today, on, on Teams, which is, by the way, got NDI powering it. It's all good. But we meet on Teams, which means that the sales and the marketing team can meet together and meet customers together free from these physical barriers. I mean, timing can sometimes be a bit difficult because somebody, if it's in Bangkok, gets up in the middle of the night or whatever, but these things happen. So now we can meet a customer, understand their needs, talk about the outcomes we want to deliver and focus in on the value. So I always like to say that our good organizations are marketing led. And of course, most organizations are sales led or product led, but I've got a huge ego. So I believe that it's marketing led. So by having marketeers in those customer engagement meetings means that we can refine our messaging almost on the fly. We get constant feedback. And I think it shocks me to say this, but that was a bit we were a little bit blase about as marketeers previously. We kind of thought that we knew our, our customer value propositions best and that you know the messaging was brilliant and it was just the sales guys who didn't quite understand it. But now, I mean, I can join sales meetings anywhere around the world just with a couple of clicks now, and I can see the impact or the lack of impact that my messaging has and my beautifully created videos and content. Sometimes it's whew, over someone's head. You think, well, that was a waste of $20,000. Let's not do that again, rather than continuing to roll out a campaign. So, so that cohesion has been really, really good. Sometimes the feedback's tough to take, but that's how you get stronger. It is, and actually then moving to this virtual, you know, environment and way of working means you can get that real-time direct feedback as well, Absolutely. right? And, and, and very quickly adapt and pivot your, your messaging and your tactics. Yeah, and you know that, that that sounds great, but it also puts huge strain on your content pipelines, right? Because um, you know, as a marketeer, your your teams are saying, right, we got this campaign, it's ready to ship, let's get it into flight, let's work out whether it's working. And now we're saying, yeah, you know that. Can you just slice this bit of content down? Can you put a CTA in here? Let's change this journey path. Oh, and by the way, the key messaging framework doesn't quite work because it turns out the customers didn't care about A, but they really do care about B. The teams are like. When does it ever stop? And I think that's the other big challenge that, that I think 
everyone is facing right now is I'm sitting here in my living room, you're sitting here there in, in, in your very nice orange room. Um, I've evicted the family from the living room, it's now my office, but it means that I can spend nearly 20 hours a day quite happily in my room. So just being constantly on is, is something that's a real challenge and something we need to be really careful of going forward. There's some really good insights there. I want to I want to touch on something else that you mentioned. Um, I think it it all relates to to that you know customer feedback, customer experience, and um, responding to it. And you mentioned about you're a passionate brand person. So the importance of brand and B two B marketing it's something that a lot of people are are, are talking about right now. Um, I guess one I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on on the role that brand plays. But also how you find, I guess, how do you manage that conversation with your CFO or with some of your sales leaders that you're investing a portion of your marketing budget in brand marketing mm -hmm. instead of content or generating more leads? Yeah, so, uh, there's, there's a lot going on in that question there. Yeah. So, so, so thank you for that. So I, let me let me try and do it this way. Um, so. Brand is, is really a, an accelerator for people to be able to recognize and know you. And being recognized is part of it. Being known is, is probably where most of your, your brand investment goes. So my group, VizRT Group, um, operates in at the premium end of the markets it plays in. So we invest a lot of time in brand and talking about our purpose. And, and we talk about helping storytellers create more stories, better told. So stories or content are really the vector of value for every industry that we touch. Right. So the more stories or pieces of content that our customers can create, the more value they can unlock further down the line. And if they can tell those stories better, then hopefully they can generate more value. If they can generate value, they can share some of that value with us. They can understand the value that our brand has helped them unlock. So um, when I say better, I, also, I don't mean just quality. I mean, about just talk about relevancy, the right piece of content to the right audience at the right time through the right piece of glass. It's super difficult to do, but, but really that's, that's what you're trying to drive that relevancy. But it starts with your audience or customer recognizing you and then being on a pathway to knowing you. So brand and a good brand architecture is just really about codifying your identity. What do I mean by that? By when we talk about we need to be differentiated in the market. No, you just need to be distinctive. People have got to know that that is you and have a, a feeling about what it is you stand for and what you deliver. So we talk about stories, we talk about quality, we talk about delivering more, better in the right way. And we do that consistently. And I think that's the great watchword. So when I sit down with, with, with my CFO, um, who's um, an amazing character, he's Danish, he's so dry, it's just, it's, it's amazing. But he is, is kind of unusual for a CFO in that he has a really good, clear grasp of the intricacies of the business and the businesses that we work for. So he can understand what our target CFOs are thinking, as well as being concerned about his group. So he's a great sounding ball. So when I talk to him about brand, I've, I've kind of got it slightly easy because when I say, right, 
It's the CFO. I'm going to talk to you about why it's really important that everybody understands our brand purpose and understands what, what our mission is and understand how our operating brands have each got their own individual visions about the things they're going to do, but how that all builds up to one single purpose, helping our customers deliver more stories better told. He says, yeah, I get that. If we're consistent, then our customers will realise that and you'll have to spend less on acquiring those customers because your messaging will already cut through. People will be able to see that and go, that's VizRT or that's NewTek or that's NDI. I know roughly what they stand for and I can assimilate some of their value into my own pathways. And so we try and test whether or not our brand is really effective in terms of cutting through. But the acid test really is the more I spend on brand marketing, does my cost of customer acquisition go down or up? And the answer so far has been that it goes down. I'd have a problem if it was going up because I'm probably overspending. But right, last year was really, I think for many people, was about tactical execution. It, times were tough, um, uh, consideration pipelines were extending, everybody was watching cash. So actually trying to sell into businesses was pretty difficult. So yes, we focused in hard on, here's a product that can solve your immediate problem today. This is why you need it. These are the outcomes. And we did less Hey, with VizRT, let me talk to you about why a duck is our mascot. We did less of that. A duck's our mascot because ducks are cool and you see a duck now in the industry, you think of VizRT. But there's another story there. We'll do that later. Now is the time to make sure that we go back and we polish that brand because the brand equity that we built up over time, unless you keep refreshing it by reminding people what your brand stands for, why it is distinctive not necessarily different, but distinctive. Why it signifies your persona is really, really important. And then you can start to talk about how your brand adds value to your customer's brand. Because remember, they care as passionately about their brand as you do about yours. A fantastic answer to what was a, a multifaceted question, Steve. But um, one thing that, that stood out, you mentioned your purpose, that more stories better told. You mentioned that quite a lot there in, in your answer. So I guess one, like the importance of having a clear purpose and, and then, you know, I guess you had value in, like you consistently delivered against that, that purpose, even when you were looking at more short-term tactical executions. Um, and, and I also love your comment about, it's not necessarily about differentiation, but actually being distinctive as well, some, some really key key points. Um, because we, you know, we work um, with a lot of tech um, tech scale ups, mm -hmm. and they're and you know, in, in many cases, they're looking at building out their their marketing function, maybe taking on board their their first CMO or or head of marketing. And I guess I'd like to, you know, we could talk for hours on on you know all things B two B marketing, but um, thinking about what advice or you know tips or gotchas would you um give to to someone you know either aspiring to be that cmo or, or has has stepped into that role for for the first time wow um so uh, i think the most valuable piece of advice that i've been given now that as as i've tried to progress my marketing career is um you are not your audience 
and I was actually working for BBC Studios at the time. Um, and it was the current director general who gave me that advice because I just spent a rather large amount of money on, on a streaming video platform for him. But anyway, um, what he was actually saying was, as soon as you start to assume you know how your audience or your customers are going to react, you're in trouble because you start to take shortcuts. And as soon as you, you assume something, you're actually ignoring data. And if you are ignoring data, you'll pretty soon stop collecting the right data and then the wheels fall off the wagon really quickly. So always remembering that, that you're not your audience. And then um, it's actually, I think, uh, at, at Virgin Media right. Business where someone who, I can't think who, used to talk about three stakeholder sets. Internal stakeholders, so our salespeople, our customers, but also our partners. Now, who was that that told me that? I can't think. Maybe it was somebody <laughs> called Aula. Um, and I think that's that's super important, right? So if you bring those, that kind of, we're not our audience, we're not our customers, remember that and, and seek insight all the time. But then also think about, you've got, yes, roughly three stakeholder groups. And you're not either one of those either. So when you rock up as being the new shiny CMO or the head of marketing, you're actually the least important person in the room because probably there's a trading organization. Probably somebody somewhere believes they understand what the brand stands for. There are some partners who understand what the brand means to their business. There are some customers who are already installed, possibly, who understand what the product means to them. And there's some salespeople who already understand how to sell it. You are superficial and inconsequential. So how do you solve that problem? You have to find out what their problems are. And the first thing you've got to do is work out how you're going to solve it. If you rock up and go, the brand's rubbish, there's no sense of purpose, I'm a purpose-led marketeer and this is how it's got to be, you'll very quickly find yourself in, in some fairly sticky situations. So my advice would be, and things I think I'm hopeful and try to do, is find some problems that you can solve, hopefully that you solved before, and build confidence that way. And then show that marketing isn't a thing on its own. And then casting back to, to my time at, at, at game group and selling video games. Marketing should actually be a profit center rather than a cost center. So if you aim towards that, how can I ensure that every time I spend a dollar, I know where the $10 are going to come back? So that when I talk to the CFO or when I talk to the sales guys or when I talk to the CEO or when I talk to the board, I can tell them why marketing is a data-driven uh, uh, discipline that drives value. And everything I do has to have some kind of value pathway. Otherwise, why the hell am I doing it? Yes, I get out of bed for purpose. I do get out of bed to try and change the world. I think we can build a better informed world, and I think stories are the way we do that. But I'm a commercial animal. I need to understand why my customers care enough to pay me. And, and that's all I'm trying to do. So if you yeah. hold those in your head, I think you don't go too far wrong. No, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm firmly off that view as well, Steve, in terms of striking that balance between, you know, knowing and delivering and communicating and, and you know, value to your customers while also recognising that your role as a marketer is also to, to create value for, for the company you work for. And yeah, I think there's there's still work to do in in many cases to 
change the perception of marketing from that cost center to that that value um creator but i think you've given some great advice as to how anybody whether new into role or, or already in role could could approach that um so i'd just like to say thank you so much for for taking the time as i say i think we could talk for for hours so so maybe we'll get you back another time and we'll we'll find out more about the um uh, the, the origins of the visit rt doc <laughs> but i would say pleasure. thank you so much for your time today steve no, thank you. Thanks for having me. Be safe out there.